Thanks for joining us today. I'm Rob Parker, lead pastor at The Plant Church. Our vision is to know Christ and make him known. If you are interested in getting connected or if we can help you in any way, email us at info at theplantchurch.org. All right, grab a coffee, grab a seat, find a friend. Uh, I just love it because we are a very social connected church and we love to, to hang out and uh, if we just kept going, we just, you guys would just keep talking forever, so I have to stop you at some point. So uh, uh, welcome, my name is Pastor Jeremy, I'm the campus pastor here at the Plant Church. We are so glad that you are here and uh, who enjoyed their extra hour of sleep this morning? All right, everyone, all right, okay. The people that are late are still sleeping, so uh, maybe next year they'll come back, but uh, thank you so much for for being here, and uh, we welcome all of you. As we said, we're going to have a table in the back. If you want to learn more about the work that we do overseas, be sure to stop there. Beth will be there. Omar will be there. Pastor Omar uh, served as a pastor in our church, and now he works with the denomination connecting churches with sites overseas. So... um, I want to start off by asking you a question. How many of you here like clothes or like clothes shopping? Anyone? Anyone that's like, wow, I love to shop. I love to get clothes. Now, when I was a kid, I hated clothes shopping. It was the most boring thing. I hated I could not stand it. So what would happen is my parents would take me clothes shopping to the big department stores like Macy's and and, and all these stores that are there. And what I would do to entertain myself is that I would hang out. You you know how, how they have these big clothing racks that are these big circles and squares? I would go hang out inside of them because if you go inside, there's actually like this big space. So as a kid, I would go and climb inside the clothing racks and I would hang out there, and then when women would be sifting through the, 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 the hangers, they would be sifting, and all of a sudden I'd go like that. <laughs> and they would scream, and they would be scared to death. And I found hours and hours of unlimited entertainment from, from, from doing that. So if your kids get bored, just tell them, hey, just go hang out inside there. They can, they can play with their toys. There's just like a whole little world that's in there. But it was so much fun. Now... Clothing-wise, Americans in general are very uh, casually dressing society. We, you, we, our, our, our clothing is less strict and more casual. And I'm sure many of you have seen pictures from the, like, the 1940s or 1950s where you see families and kids, and they're all wearing like three-piece suits and little dresses, and, and they wear that just to go out to the store and, and to do these everyday things. And there are actually so many dress codes that we today are unaware of. Do you know what the most formal type of attire is for men? Maybe you might say black tie, uh, wearing like a tuxedo, right? And total side note, the name tuxedo actually came from the town a few miles away from here called Tuxedo, New York. Uh, Lower class people would see upper class people wearing these tuxedo jackets, and they would call them tuxedo jackets. But anyway... Black tie isn't the most formal type of clothing for men. In case you were invited to dine with the queen for an ultra-formal event, you had to know what is appropriate to wear. And after black tie, there is another level 
a formality called white tie. I think we have a chart on that. Does anyone know that? So white tie is the ultimate level of formal clothes. You would wear a white bow tie that have like the, you know, like the tails on the back, like you kind of you see like the penguin wearing them or something. So that is the ultimate code in formality. And if you were to show up wearing black tie to a white tie event, you are underdressed. So it's important to know when to wear the right types of clothes. And wearing clothes serve more than just the purpose of covering, right? Wearing clothes serve the purpose of conveying your emotions, conveying your belonging and your status. And they are also very functional. You wear different types of clothes for different types of events or seasons or, or times of day, for sports or the military or outdoor activities or parties, you name it. This morning, what we're going to be doing is we're going to be continuing our sermon series in the book of Colossians, where we're going to be studying and learning how the early church in Colossae was to be rooted in their understanding of who Christ is and their identity in that. So just to recap a little, uh, last week we were reminded in, in verse 3, Rob was preaching, sorry, about chapter 3, and he was preaching about how our lives were hidden with Christ in God. And we were challenged to remove all the old and all the old and sinful clothing from our past to remove things like sexual immorality, which is sexuality outside of what God has designed it to be in marriage, getting rid of lust, desiring things that are not yours, greed, wanting more, anger and rage, letting your emotions take over at the expense of others, malicious behavior, the desire to do harm to others, slander and lying, talking bad about other people or gossiping, because when you lived out your old identity and wore your old clothes, what happens was it destroys society. It destroys relationships. It destroys marriages. It destroys the workplace, and it tears the world apart. And just like physical clothing sometimes makes up our worldly identity, Paul wanted the believers to know that we are clothed with new clothing. Clothing that determines our new identity and our new function as we live that out. God has given us a new wardrobe, a new way of life, a new future, a new way to relate to others, all found in this new kingdom of God. And it's time for us to have a wardrobe change. So how, we, how do we do that? First, new clothes, new identity. New clothes, new identity. Let's read from Colossians chapter 3, verse 12. Since God chose you to be the holy people he loves, you must clothe yourself with tender-hearted mercy, kindness, Humility, gentleness, and patience. Make allowance for each other's faults and forgive anyone 
who offends you. Remember, the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. Above all, clothe yourself with love, which binds us all together in perfect harmony. And let the peace that comes from Christ rule in your hearts. For as members of one body, you are called to live in peace and always be thankful. So how many of you have ever seen on TV or on the news any of those makeover shows where they, where they find someone, they do this like whole makeover of their, their, their wardrobe. They find someone that has like a, a terrible sense of fashion. Maybe they're wearing socks with flip-flops or something like that, and they find them on the street, and they, they grab them, and they ambush them, and they give them this, this whole new wardrobe. A long time ago, once I, I saw this on the news, I think, they found this, this homeless man who was on the street. And he was, maybe on, he was on, maybe on drugs, he was, had an overgrown beard, he had ragged clothes and, and all these things. And they, they took him and they, they fixed him up. They trimmed his beard, they, they cut his hair, they cleaned him up and they, they gave him this new, brand new, fitted suit. And when he saw himself for the first time in the mirror, he broke down in tears because he could not believe it. But although he looked the part on the outside as a respectable and honorable and and distinguished man, it wouldn't matter until internally he had an identity shift about what was true about himself out of the clothes that he was wearing. What Paul is saying is this, that that with the new clothes that we have, we now have this new identity, and we have been chosen to be God's holy people. Christ has made you holy. What does it mean to be made holy? To, To be holy means to be set apart to God. When people see you, is your nature and your character on the inside the same as true of the holy clothes that you wear? So before you act out, before you get into a fight, before you say something to someone that you are going to regret or do something that's hateful or hurtful, go and take a good look in the mirror and see whose clothes you are wearing. You are not wearing brands like Tommy Hilfiger or or Nautica or or Ralph Lauren or Versace or Valentino or Louis Vuitton or Yves Saint Laurent or Hermes or, or, or Givenchy or Nike or Champion. You are wearing the righteous clothes of Christ. Amen? So instead of anger, show tenderhearted mercy toward people. Instead of lust and greed, show kindness and humility. Instead of anger and rage, show patience and gentleness. And when someone wrongs you and the jealousy and the bitterness and the the resentment swells up, remember you are not the old person that you once were. You are now wearing new clothes. And the brand label that you wear came at the greatest cost. It was signed by the blood of Jesus, the greatest designer. So because of that, now because the Lord has forgiven you, you must also go and forgive others. And he says, above all, 
Clothe yourself with love, which ties them all together. You know, in the ancient world, in the ancient times, they wore different layers of clothes and different robes, and they would have a, a, a clasp or, or a brooch or something. That's how you pronounce it, right? Brooch? Is that right? I don't know. Brooch? 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 Okay. Close. And the brooch would, would hold all the, the different layers of, that, of clothes together. And Paul is saying, let them bind all these, these new behaviors and this new identity together with love. And he says, let the peace of Christ rule your hearts. No more conflict. No more fighting for your rights. Because your value has been settled on the cross already. Ephesians chapter 2 verse 10 talks about how God has designed you for you, for we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do the good things he has planned for us long ago. New clothes, new identity. Clothing is not just about identity, but it's also about attitude. New clothes, new attitude. Let's read from verse 16. Let the message of Christ in all its richness fill your lives. Teach and counsel each other with all wisdom he gives. Sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs to God with thankful hearts. And whatever you do or say, do it as a representative of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks through him to God the Father. You know, there are some clothes that you put on that totally change your attitude and change your perspective and give you joy and excitement. I remember when I was a, a teenager, I would shop for clothes, and one of the coolest, coolest clothing stores at the time in the mall was this store they had in all the malls, this store called Merry-Go-Round. How many of you remember that? Anyone remember the store called Merry-Go-Round? <laughs> okay. So there was this store called Merry-Go-Round, and when, when you went in that store, you felt so cool. There would just be house music. It would be like, tss, tss, tss. so you would be going there, and you would be shopping. You would, be, you would think you were so cool, and, and, and I was there shopping at that time, and it was kind of around that age where I was in middle school, so I no longer, I was not so much interested in toys and video games, and I was starting to get interested in clothes, so I would save up my money, and I would go there, and I would save up my money, and I would buy these clothes that were there. And I remember buying this outfit, this really cool outfit, and I thought it was so cool. And, and I went to the, to the middle school dance. So I was wearing these clothes, and I went to the, the middle school dance. And, and even though I, had, I was like 12 or 13, I had no idea how to dance. I was, I was with all of my friends, and I was tearing up the dance floor like CNC Music Factory. And it just totally changed my, my attitude in, in, in you know, how, I, I, how I carried myself. And what about you ladies? I remember Jody, my wife, was sharing with me the first time she put on her wedding dress. It just changed her. It just kind of blew her away. 
And even now when she dresses up for a party or, or a wedding or puts on a necklace or earrings or, or something like that, it, it's so much fun. You carry yourself in a different light. You take on the persona of the dress, of the beauty, of the confidence, of the energy, of the joy. And just like when we put on new clothes for a party, when we go out, when we are chosen to be God's holy people, it should change our entire attitude. You should be filled with joy and thankfulness because our debt has been paid. We are set free. We are rescued. It's time to live a life of celebration with a bounce in our step. What should our attitude be like? Isaiah chapter 61 verse 10 says, I am overwhelmed with the joy in the Lord my God, for he has dressed me with a clothing of salvation and draped me in a robe of righteousness. I am like a bridegroom dressed for his wedding or a bride with her jewels. Is this our attitude in how we are dressed? Paul reminds us to fill our lives with the stories and the teachings of Christ his good news, how he brought us out of, of sin and brought us into new life and brought redemption into every area of our humanity. You can't help but celebrate. You can't help but sing psalms and spiritual songs and, and worship. Do we have that lifestyle and that attitude of worship in thankfulness, in contentment, in assurance of what we believe is true? Worship is an expression of the gratefulness and joy that is true in your heart. And because we now wear these clothes, Paul says everything that you do, everything, do it as his representative. Your attitude in, in how you treat people, your attitude in how you deal with conflict, your attitude in, in how you deal with stressful situations, you represent him. Is there a deep joy in your heart that no one can steal? When people see you and they know that you are a believer, do they see it reflected in your attitude and how you carry yourself in your life? Or do they see a grumpy monkey? Or a pessimistic Paul? Or a Debbie Downer? Or an angry Andrew? or a joyless Jen, or an indifferent plain Jane. I apologize if anyone has these real names. <laughs> I'm not talking about you. Clothing is not just about identity and attitude, but clothes also serve an actual function. So what does this function mean for us? What does this mean for us practically? Let's look at verse 18. Wives, submit to your husbands as is fitting for those who belong to the Lord. Husbands, love your wives and never treat them harshly. Children, always obey your parents, for this pleases the Lord. Fathers, do not aggravate your children or they will become discouraged. Slaves, obey your earthly masters in everything you do. Try to please them all the time, not just when they are watching you, 
Serve them sincerely because of your reverent fear of the Lord. Work willingly at whatever you do, as though you are working for the Lord rather than for people. Remember that the Lord will give you an inheritance as your reward, and that the master you are serving is Christ. If you do what is wrong, you will be paid back for the wrong you have done, for God has no favorites. Masters, be just and fair to your slaves. Remember, you also have a master in heaven. You know, there are many articles of clothing that we wear that have a function that we no longer use or no longer understand. How many of you here like wearing jeans? Anyone likes wearing jeans, most people? <laughs> My dad hates wearing jeans, it's so uncomfortable, so he wears dress pants for like every casual event. Anyway, um, so in your jean pocket, right, some, you'll notice that there's like this, this little like tiny rectangular pocket that's there. And some of you might be thinking, oh, that's where I, I store my change, you know, my loose change or something like that. But in actuality, back in the day before they had wrist watches, they had only pocket watches. And that is the pocket where you would put your pocket watch. That's, that's what it was actually for. And it was only after the World Wars where, where soldiers couldn't have it, they, you know, they gave them wrist watches. So that pocket actually serves a function. What about these uh, knit hats that you wear in the winter that have like the big pom-poms? And you might be wondering about why, like what's the point of that pom-pom? It doesn't serve any purpose. It's just, it's just, just for show. <laughs> so back in the day, sailors would wear these knit caps on their ships and they would have these big pom-poms on the top because they would always knock their head on the low ceilings of the ship. And now we kind of wear, wear them for, you know, for fun. What about high heels? How many women here like wearing high heels? No? A few people? Like one person? Okay. <laughs> Two people. So high heels were actually something that, that men wore in ancient times because it helped them when they were riding horses. It helped secure their foot in their stirrups, and it led to becoming like a, kind of like a status symbol. So wearing clothes serves a particular function. And being covered in Christ, it gives us his character and his new nature, and, and we are now to live that out in all of our relationships, starting with our household. Now, I know what you're all thinking. After you just read that passage, you, are th you might be thinking, oh my goodness, this passage, this sounds archaic. What are they talking about? This is like, this is crazy. Like, what, what is this all about? This passage that we just read is one of the mis most misunderstood and misused passage in, in the Bible. Many people with, with an agenda manipulate this passage to try to subjugate or control women or to endorse slavery in the past historically. So it's very important not to take this passage out of context but to rather understand the, the deeper meaning that's within it. What Paul is, is doing is he is addressing the status quo of the world and the culture as it stood at that time. It was a time in which women were abused as property. Family values didn't exist. Slavery was, was generally accept, accepted and slaves were mistreated. And these were the generally accepted attitudes unfortunately, at that time in the ancient Roman world. 
And in the midst of all this, Paul is addressing this small, early church and making the case that in Christ's new world, things are different. Wearing Christ's clothes functionally means that you live selflessly and self-sacrificially. And in the non-Christian world at that time, this was a revolutionary and a radical teaching. In verse 18, he starts talking about marriage. Because your ability to live selflessly starts with those who are closest to you. Wives, submit to your husbands. Now, this is not referring to wives being some kind of doormat or, or anything like that. This is, of course, assuming that the husband is, is not a, an abusive person. Husbands and wives have equal value and equal worth, but they may have different roles in their marriage. What does it mean to submit? It means not to be subversive, not to be divisive, not to be manipulative, but instead to be understanding. If a husband is truly following God, be supportive. Don't try to go in a completely opposite direction. And likewise, in verse 19, it says, Husbands, love your wives and don't treat them harshly. Love your wives like Christ loved the church. How did Christ love his church? Oh yeah, he was the first to give his life up for the church. Husbands, be the first to give up of yourselves, to give up of your pride, to give up of your ego, to give up of your comfort for your spouse. And if a husband is laying down his life every day and following God, wives, come alongside. For Jody, my, my wife and I, we, we have mutual love and respect for one another. And we find freedom in that. Next, verse 20, children, how are you to function? It says, children, obey your parents. You need to be led. And assuming that your parents are loving and have the best in mind for you, follow what they say. Honor them. Trust them. Trust their lead. Trust their guidance. Trust their correction. God's children are, are not rebellious but they grow up to be understanding, kind, and loving adults. But just like Adam and Eve, if there's an attitude that you say, you know what, I'm going to do whatever I want, things don't usually end well. Next, it refers to fathers. And this is actually not just talking about fathers, it's talking about all, you know, both parents. Instructing them not to aggravate or provoke your children. You know, it's so easy for us adults and for those of us who are parents to take out our anger and our insecurities and our stress on those who are vulnerable, including our children. But when a child is loved unconditionally and their parents respect, re represent and reflect the love of the gospel... They will never question the motive of the parent, even though they may not agree with, with whatever action there was at that time. Now, as we continue talking about the household unit 
at that time. In, in verse 22, the household unit of the ancient world included slaves and servants. Now, when we think of slavery, we immediately think of slavery as it was in the United States in the 19th century, which was predominantly based on ethnicity, like the African slave trade, which was an evil, 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 satanic, disgusting, sinful institution. And the Greek word used here in the English for slave is doulos. And this doesn't just mean slave as we think about it historically in the United States, but it's actually a more broad term that, that refers to a bond servant. Bond servants were slaves that did have some level of rights in the Roman world. Most of them were not slaves from birth or by, because of their ethnicity, but they were rather prisoners of war that many of them would have otherwise been killed and they were sent into uh, slavery. And there were also other people that have fallen into debt. They could have been a wealthy person fallen into debt and, and, and they were forced into slavery. It could have been anyone. Many households in that time had these types of slaves and they would help run the affairs of the, ho the, the home and, and the businesses. For some slaves, there might have even been a legal way for them to find their freedom. Now, this passage is not saying that, that uh, slavery, slavery is right or acceptable or, or any of those things. Any kind of forced slavery is sin and it is evil. And the Bible is very clear on that. But in the scope of this passage... His purpose isn't to immediately overturn and, and address all the complexities of that time, but he's speaking to the situation that, that that church and the early people were facing. What he is saying is that in whatever situation you find yourself in at that moment, whatever is being done, wherever you find yourself, don't lose heart because God sees you. God sees you, and whatever you do, work as if you are working for the Lord and not for people. There are circumstances in our careers, there are circumstances in our workplaces that may be beyond our control and things that can't be changed at the moment. But remember, God sees you. God sees what you do. God sees your work. And we are accountable to him in, in how we do our work with integrity and honor giving him our worship through our actions and our thoughts and our deeds. It was commonplace in the, in the households of the Roman world to abuse and exploit slaves. And slaves were seen as property, but here is the clincher. He says, masters, be fair to your slaves because you also have a master in heaven. You will be judged and accountable to God who is your master for whoever oversees. So what does this mean? We don't have to look further than Jesus' teaching in how to relate to one another. And Jesus says, love your neighbor as yourself. And this teaching, this teaching is, applies to everyone, not just in the community, but everyone in your own very household. And at that time, in that ancient time, if you were to actually love your slave, you would treat them fairly with wages. You would not hold them against their will. 
you would be equals. Hence, essentially, they would no longer be a slave, but they would rather be your brother. In the letter to Philemon, Paul encourages Philemon to treat his slave Onesimus not as a slave, but but as a brother. And this was a revolutionary concept in the household because in Christ, all peoples were equal. From what we learned in verse 11 last week, in Christ, all people were equal. The Jews and the Gentiles, the circumcised and the uncircumcised, the barbarian, the uncivilized, the slave, and the free. You see, what God is really after is our hearts. And he's going straight to the heart. The problem with sin begins in our heart, and we need a transformation there first as well. In how we relate to others, in how we carry that out in all of our institutions and and the rest of the world. Wives to husbands, husbands to wives, children to parents, parents to children. Everyone is accountable to God in how we relate to each other. You know, after being locked at home for the entire pandemic, I'm sure there's so many of us that have been working from home and doing school from home and have gotten so used to wearing our pajamas 24-7. Anyone out there just used to wearing your pajamas all the time? And some people are wearing pajamas now, too, maybe. So. <laughs> Unless you work in a bank in Manhattan, formal business wear may never come back again. And we've gotten into this, this, into this new routine of, they call it athleisure. Have you heard this term, athleisure? Athletic wear and leisure wear that's like combined together. Maybe if you have to dress up for work, you have to dress up business casual or smart casual or casual chic. And I can't seem to understand the differences between all of those. I, I've tried to look it up, but every definition is, is different. But, but now everyone's wearing athleisure wear. Yoga pants are the new jeans. And I think they are here to stay. I don't, I don't know. I don't wear them, so, so I, I don't know. <clears throat> Many of us have fallen into our old habits of our old habits of dressing and our wardrobe. But we need a wardrobe change. You know, after I came to Christ... I realized that, that I was different. I could no longer wear these same clothes. I had, I had to give them up, the old ways. I had to give these things up. And I had to learn how to now get comfortable in these new clothes that Christ has given me, in my attitude, in my identity, in how I treated others, how I treated my family and those around me. I had to learn how to live a new way. I want to invite the band to come up and and get ready for the next song and and worship. And I want to invite you to stand with me as we close and, and get ready for worship. Maybe there are some of you here today that you don't know Christ. And you see your current life and you see your past life 
and you see maybe your past and the sin and, and the wrong mistakes and the, and the things that you have done that have, have brought you to a place of brokenness. And if that's you, I want to let you know that Jesus has a better way. And if you say, Jesus, I'm sorry. I'm a sinner. Please forgive me. I want to be made new. And if you've confessed that, Jesus has forgiven you. You can take off your old, dirty clothes and take on the new set of robes that he has given you that are holy and pure and covered with his blood. Maybe there's some of you here today that you are in Christ and you have been given a new set of clothes, but either you don't know how to live in them or function in them, or you have chosen not to. And they're still sitting in the, in the closet. Ask yourself these questions. After coming to know Jesus, has my identity changed in, in who I believe I am in you? Has my attitude changed in, in how I relate to others, in how people see me? And has my function changed in, in living out these new clothes? In my household, does my family, do my coworkers, do they say that my life is different because of the clothes that I now wear? You know, clothes, these new clothes and these, this new outfit that we are given, it's not meant to be hidden but they are meant to be seen. I want to close, I want to invite you to close your eyes and just imagine for a moment that you are standing on this big fashion runway and all the eyes of the world are looking at you intently as you are wearing these clothes of Christ. And in the audience, you see your children looking at you, wondering and waiting to see how you will walk through life how you will act in difficult circumstances. What are the things that you value? How you treat others in the family and what decisions that you make. And you look out and you see your spouse also watching you as you live out this life and wondering how you're going to live this out, how they will be affirmed, how you will act, how you will lead. Maybe you see your coworkers looking at you and they're watching to see how you make decisions with integrity and honesty based on this, this Jesus that you believe. Maybe there are people in your neighborhood and your community that are watching you too. And they are at the verge of losing all hope in life but they see you and they watch you and they know that you stand for Jesus and they want to be empowered and they want to see the joy and the, the confidence and the authority that you walk in because that gives them hope too to know that there is a savior. You know, when, when fashion models walk down the runway, what they do is they keep their eyes fixed on a point that's, that's far out in the distance. And by looking at that point, they can walk in the straight and narrow, in a straight line, 
without tripping, without being distracted by any of the distractions that are around them. Paul says in Hebrew, let us run the race set before us. Keep your eyes fixed on Jesus, the champion who perfects our faith. So with that in mind, let us step forward boldly. Let us keep our eyes fixed on Jesus and not be distracted by the temptations and distractions and things that are around us. Let us walk forward with, with boldness and courage and complete humility. Because when we wear these clothes and live out the life that our clothes represent, the world will truly see who Jesus is. So as we focus on that, let us engage in worship together. great having you with us today. We do hope that this sermon inspired you to know Christ and make him known. For more sermons and resources, please visit us at theplantchurch.org.